Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Tuesday Crew, Tuesday Crew right here on WRSU-FM. I'm Moshe Golubchik. Alongside me, as always, Brett Hahn and Grant Langlois. And so far, so far it's been a an interesting week for me, but we'll uh, we'll talk later about that. Right now we got to talk about the elephant in the room, proverbially speaking, of course. That being the Rutgers men's basketball team. Um, as we all know, they lost to Northwestern on Sunday, and they currently are... I believe the 10th seed in the Big Ten, and they face Michigan. They're number nine. Excuse me, number nine. <laughs> face Michigan at noon on Thursday in the first round of, excuse me, the second round of the Big Ten tournament. And honestly, their NCAA tournament profile is really up in the air right now. But one thing that I do want to point out that I saw early, earlier today, um, Aaron Brightman tweeted out that the – March Madness Selection Committee has stated that they, when evaluating Rutgers' profile tournament resume, they will consider that when Rutgers played Ohio State back in December, that the Big Ten officially stated that the buzzer beater for Ohio State should not have counted. That's huge. That is very big for Rutgers, as that is that becomes in effect a quad, what would have been a quad one win for the Scarlet Knights. Now, could have been a tie all whatever. Sorry. Not we're not going down that rabbit hole. We've discussed that at length on this show. Um <clears throat> but Brett Rucker's in an interesting spot here. I mean, they the best way I the best word I can think of, not best, but the word that comes to mind is they just imploded since Moat Mag got hurt a month ago. They are they were they went one in f- Sorry, excuse me. Two and six in the games since Moat Mag was announced to be out for the season after winning that game against Michigan State at the Garden when he actually got injured. Since that game, they are two and six without Moat Mag. And to be honest, that doesn't bode well going into this tournament. And look, you had games like Penn State where Rutgers came back from down 19 in the second half and ultimately won that game by three. But in order to get to the point where you're down 19, you got to remember, they played like garbage in the first half. And then you have games like Michigan where you just didn't play well the entire game. It was close at halftime, and the second half, you just let it get away. So where does that leave Rutgers, you know, as we're less than 48 hours away from starting from their first game in the Big Ten tournament. Look, I mean, Rutgers is firmly on the bubble, right? I, I, I mean, it, you know, like you said, Mo, the— That wasn't they, the case a month and a half ago. Yeah, and yeah, you know, when when it was basically like a shoe-in for them to get into the tournament at one point, but how quick things change, right? Now, Rutgers, you know, we, we, we talk about the Moat Mag injury here on the show and how instrumental it's been— both uh, on both sides of the floor. I mean, Moat Mag's more known for his defensive prowess, so you can see how you know losing a chess piece like that will certainly affect the team's momentum 
and ability, you know, to cover all bases defensively. I get that. But this last game against the Northwestern Wildcats, it's not like they let them go crazy. Yeah, they scored 65 points, but their season average is close to 60, so it was only slightly over, right? Northwestern, you allowed them to shoot 45% from the field. They only shot 7 of 23 from behind the arc. Rutgers and and 10 of 17 on free throws as well. I mean, 58.8% doesn't get the job done at the free throw line. The, the biggest egg in the room and something that I think this Rutgers team lacks significantly is a secondary shooter outside of Cam Spencer. Now, we've seen, you know, we've, we've seen at their best how a lineup of Mulcahy, McConnell, Cam Spencer, I don't know, let's just throw Dean Reber in there or Oscar Palmquist or Andre Hyatt and Cliff Amori works. When they're on, they're on. But they don't space the floor. They don't, they're not – most of them, four out of the five players in that lineup aren't threats in the perimeter. So that allows defense – a, a college-level defense to do one of two things. They can either pressure the ball handlers more because they know you're going to have to go to the rim, and, and that leads to turnovers. Or, or they, can, they can give them the Ben Simmons treatment and they can just sag off completely – play more of a zone approach and, and and leave the perimeter alone, what are they going to do? They're going to shoot on top of you? Like, listen, if if you're challenging Rutgers to beat you with the shot, if you're Rutgers, you've already lost. And, and that's something to me that's concerning. It's a reason why they've lost six out of the eight, uh, six out of their last eight games. And Rutgers against Northwestern, I mean, they shot 36% overall. The field goal efficiency has been a struggle. 2 of 17 on threes and 11 of 21 from the free throw line. Like, the, the the shots just simply aren't falling for this Rutgers team. And you have to wonder, like, it. you have to wonder, for them to even have a chance at the tournament, let alone to beat Michigan in forty less than 48 hours, who who has to step up? Like, wh- what is there to give? I mean, that's a really good question, Brett. And look... Like you said, Rutgers, not a great shooting team. Steve Peichel said that after the Northwestern game. He said, we're not a shooting team. And he's right. Rutgers is a team that relies on lockdown defense to win games. And obviously, when you lose one of your top defenders and you lose a starter in Moat Mag at such a, you know, when you lose a starter in the middle of February or late January, whatever that was, that's that's going to hurt. On a de- especially on such a defen- defense-heavy team. But sometimes that defense can help you. Be- I mean, we, t- we talked last week about the Penn State game, where in the second half, they held Jalen Pickett without a shot attempt. In that entire game, they held Seth Lundy to one made shot on, 19 att- on 16 or 19 attempts. They held Cam Winter to one made three-pointer, their best Penn State's best three-point shooter. When their defense... Their defense can keep them in these games... And sometimes, like you said, for Rutgers, they just need someone to step up. Sometimes it's Cam Spencer. Sometimes sometimes it's just Caleb McConnell having a day on offense. And in that Penn State game, it was Derek Simpson who just put the team on his back, put up 16 points, and just revitalized the offense in that game. And I think we've been seeing a lot more of Derek Simpson in the past few weeks. We've seen his his role kind of grow now <clears throat> excuse me Derek Simpson you know right now he's kind of in that you know 6 to 8 role playing 20 or so 20 to 25 minutes a game and these all of his teammates have talked about how much they love him how he does how he's a, just such a strong player so 
I would expect if Rutgers has really wants to go deep into the Big Ten tournament and secure themselves a place in March Madness, they need to look to guys like Derek Simpson to step up off the bench. You need to look at guys, you said, like Dean Reber. You want to get a little more production out of Antoine Wolfolk. Now, I understand a freshman is going to struggle against Big Ten teams. Not He's not going to be able to be as successful as he was against the mid-majors. But you need you need some production out of that bench. And obviously, you alluded to him as well. Especially without Moat Mag, Oscar Palmquist has become a huge factor in this team's success. He has. He has. I mean, he, he doesn't have as much of the defensive chops as... As no. a guy like Moat Mag does, and, and listen, I I, I kind of want to go back on your point that you made earlier, and like kind of clarify some of that I said earlier. The defense is never held holding Rutgers back. We know this is the backbone and the strength of this team. We know this is their identity. We know Absolutely. we know this is the Steve Peichel way, right? But but with that being said, the offense has to at least keep pace, and the huge the huge catalyst for. The two and six record in the last eight games, and quite frankly, why Rutgers shot themselves in the foot and ended up in this predicament is because the offense did not keep pace. Now I understand that Derek Simpson, you know, we can sit here and say Derek Simpson, you know, he 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 needs to step up, which he does. I I completely agree. It, it is you know to a degree, you know, it's it, it's a team approach on offense. I mean, you don't have that one guy that's clearly going to shoot the lights out of the gym. Cam Spencer even has his inconsistencies from behind the arc. But for a guy like Derek Simpson, who, yes, he is a, he does struggle against Big Ten teams, but for a freshman, uh, unless you're like a Brandon Miller or like one of these one-and-done prospects in the NBA that like go for the NBA draft the next season, you are going to struggle in your acclimation to the college game. And Derek Simpson, while he's had flashes of brilliance, he's had those typical freshman struggles that elude, that often get the best of a lot of players in his position. So for Rutgers, you know— Steve, Coach Steve Peichel's alluded to it. You know they're they're not a deep team. The you know the the focus really, uh, it future wise is you know hey how are these how is the Gavin Griffiths the Amari Bailey's you know if Dylan Harper ultimately chooses the Scarlet Knight path or and other recruits how is the how are they going to come in and bolster a program desperately in need of an infusion of depth? Right now, Rutgers does not have that. Right now, I don't see. You know, I don't see them giving up without a fight. But is no, the fight but it, but is but is what they have enough? That is the question where, you know, you you really don't have a definitive answer at this stage. So that's that's a very fair point. Um and here's the thing. If you look at the metrics in the Big 10, Rutgers has the top defense in the Big 10. They average 60 points allowed per game. But they have the 10th ranked offense. They only score 68 points a game. So that's not a huge margin, especially when you're going up against a team like Michigan that's fourth in offense in the Big Ten. They average 73, 74 points a game almost. So Rutgers going against a higher-powered offense. Now, they do have an advantage. Michigan with the, 12th, with the third-worst defense in the Big Ten. So... It's kind of, you know, an interesting trade-off. You have a high-powered defense against a high-powered offense, but at the same time, it's a, a struggling offense against a struggling defense. So 
I'm really not sure what that means for either of these teams in this game, frankly. And to be honest, I'm not so sure either team should be too optimistic coming out of this game because regardless of who wins this game, the winner goes on on Friday to play Purdue, the number one team in the conference. Now, I know Purdue's been on a slide. I know Rutgers beat them at Mackey in, in January. But they're still the number one team in the country. Zach Eady is still a freak of nature. It's still going to be hard to beat a team like Purdue when you can't score freaking points. Right. All right, exactly. And, and look, you know, if you look back to February 23rd, which is the last time Michigan and Rutgers played, Michigan won that game by 13 points, score of 58-45. Again, stifling defense. Offense not being able to keep pace. Now you look at the metrics. Rutgers for that game shot, you know, a consistent theme. You're shooting sub 40%. They shot 38% that game. 31% from the free throw line. 30% from three. The efficiency has just been something of, you know, it, it really it really is like, you know, you you having the power in the palm of your hand, and then all of a sudden, like, you, you drop the marble, and you don't know whether it went under the table or it, or it went, you know, maybe into the other room. Maybe it's right under your foot and you just can't see it. Like, you know. Until it, you step on it. Yeah, or, or, or you step on it and you're like, oh, man. Like, but we th- that's really been the story of the evaporating offense that we've seen from Rutgers. Now, look, they, they have great uh, – for, for the whole season, they have great stats are, uh, offensively for the eye test. But basketball, college basketball especially – as we're approaching tournament time, as we're approaching, um, as we're approaching the NCAA tournament, if they're able to secure their bid again, they're firmly on the bubble, so they need to make a statement in this Big Ten tourney. Is momentum? Rutgers has none. How how are they going to establish it? Is the is is the mystery really that that pundits like like us, the beat reporters, the team itself is trying to solve? So. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for matchup against Michigan. We'll have to see what they do. Yeah, that will certainly be an interesting matchup. Grant, I'm curious your thoughts on all this. You've been pretty quiet the last few minutes. Uh, it's just been a slow day for me. But uh, you guys mentioned Palmquist before. You mentioned him trying to step up to the plate for Mawat Mag's position. Not really his position, but his defensive defensive prowess. Um, just looking at the Northwestern game, um, I could look at his previous stats as well, but he's he was, he's got 10 minutes. If he's the man that you want to step up into to fill that spot, to, to have those shoes, you know, slightly filled, if you will, then he he needs more play time. Uh, he didn't have any points. Obviously, you guys mentioned uh, Derek Simpson already and how he can be inconsistent, but like you said, he's a freshman. But uh, I feel like if you can stand behind somebody and put more points or put more minutes on them, uh, Palmquist is going to be an important key, important snowball down the hill to get everything rolling. Yeah, and I will note part of the reason that, excuse me, that Oscar Palmquist's minutes have decreased a little bit is because Caleb McConnell is seemingly back at full strength after having some back issues the last couple weeks. Um, but it will be really interesting to see how this game goes. Again, that game is going to be at noon Eastern out at the United Center in Chicago. Dylan Allen and Dennis Geisler 
they're out there. They'll bring you all the action as for as far as Rutgers can go in that Big Ten tournament. Um, of course, we will keep you covered as best we can. But for now, we're going to take a little break. Got plenty more crew coming up right after this. You're listening to The Crew on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. You know what that music means. Locks of the week coming up right here. On the Tuesday crew, Moshe Golovchik, Brett Hong, Grant Langlois, here to give you some unsolicited advice on what's going on tonight in the world of sports, where the bets look, how they look. Again, take our advice or don't. We're just a bunch of college kids, and if you lose, that's on you. Don't blame us. Don't blame us. Please be responsible. With that, Coach Hahn, I cede you the floor, sir. What is your lock? Oh, man, I'm in the middle of making like a seven, eight, eight like parlay here. Hold all right, on. so we'll come back. Yeah, Grant, come, what do you, right. Grant, come, what do you got? Back, we'll we'll circle got. back to Brett. I'll, I'll, I'll vamp for you with my lock. Um, you killed my epic uh, thing, but that's okay. That happens. Um, so to, I'm looking at, as uh, anybody who tunes in repeatedly, which I have no idea who they might be, but hi. Um, the I'm always a hockey guy. John's not here with us today, but uh, I got to stick with somewhat of what I know. The Sabres-Islanders game tonight, um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one for the Sabres. Um, they're on a back-to-back after a tough loss against the Oilers. Um, they, they're they in a playoff hunt. Uh, the Islanders are in a playoff hunt. Uh, they're guaranteed going to have Sorokin in the net. And I hope they the Islanders get pumped with shots by the Sabres because he's on my fantasy team. However, my lock is the Sabres winning it. Um, I think it's going to be, like, honestly, a 1-0 game. If not, it's going to be a barn burner. There's going to be no in-between. But my lock is uh, bet the under. Uh, Tage Thompson and Dylan Cousins both have an assist, and it's a one-goal game. Or it's a, a singular goal. What's the uh, What's the line there? Uh, the line is, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I still don't understand gambling. Uh New York Islanders negative one seventy eight. I I'm just looking at ESPN, so I don't know line stuff. No, it's all right. Um, I can get back to you on that though. Okay, Brett, you you need more time? No, I got one. I got one. So the the New York Knicks have been rolling, and you know, with with a recent vic- recent victory again over Boston Celtics in double overtime. That was a thrilling game. If if any of you boys got to catch it, that was nope. I mean, I didn't either. I was eating. I, ice, the I was end. eating ice cream in my car. Double OT. Very, yeah. Wild. You watched it. I was at uh, my last day for Buffalo Wild Wings, and I was catching. Wait, you left last... Buffalo Wild Wings? Yeah, I'm at uh, Butcher Three Sixty. Show up, everybody. I'm the only bartender there. No, wait, wait, wait. Oh wait. man. All right. I, I'll, All right. I'll we'll, get we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. Yeah, but um, the, you know, the New York Knicks—they've been rolling. Um, they are thirty-nine and twenty-seven on the season. They've won. They've been winners of eight or nine of the last ten games, and they're playing a team that is in firmly in the cellar of the Eastern Conference, and that is the Charlotte Hornets. Now, I'm not going to go money line because you know it's not going to win you money, guys. Minus well, four, minus, cellar. Listen, listen. Minus four twenty is going to get you ten dollars to win. What is it? It's ten dollars to win. 
$10 to win $238. Why do you want $238 on $10? Listen, gamble responsibly, obviously. And, and, and gamble responsibly. That, that's the biggest thing here. Absolutely. It's the biggest thing here. And, but player performance doubles is where you're going to make your money tonight. And I think Julius Randle is going to continue his terror. And he is going to score 30, all right, 30 plus points again. And New York is going to win plus 152. All right. Um, all right. I guess I'm, I guess I'm up now. So I'm going to go college basketball. I'm going to go to the ACC tournament. Uh, I should have pulled up the rankings here. One second. Can you bet on preseason baseball games? I'm just curious. Um, I don't know. All right. I'm not sure. Back that to you. I'll a figure very that out. fair question. While you figure that out, I'm going to stall a little more while I pull up the ACC tournament bracket. I got you with more stall. Um, the under is 1.5 uh, for both sides. Okay, so, the so it's, it's, a, it's a one and a half point. So you're saying win, no cover. All right. So here's what we got tonight. Uh, this is the game I was looking at. You've got the first round of the ACC tournament tipping off in just about 30 minutes. And you've got <clears throat> number 11, Virginia Tech, taking on number 14, Notre Dame. And Virginia Tech is 18-13, and 13, but they're 8-12 and 12 in conference. Notre Dame, 11-20, and 3-17 in conference. Ugh. That's not good. And remember, Notre Dame was a first-four team in the NCAA tournament last year and knocked out Rutgers. So, oh, how the Irish have fallen, apparently. They ain't um, fighting no more. I got some Scottish friends who will be pretty happy about that. <laughs> but anyway, so 7 o'clock ACC tournament in Greensboro, North Carolina. And you've got Virginia Tech minus 6 and a minus 225 Virginia Tech money line. Sorry, minus 255, excuse me. Um, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that Virginia Tech minus 255. I'm um, not going to touch the over-under because, to be honest, I would just be shooting in the dark. I mean, shooting in the dark on all this. But I'm going to take I'm gonna take Tech to win and cover, and I, I'm going to take the money line as well. So that's what I got. Um, did we did we find out if we can bet on preseason you can baseball? Bet on preseason baseball. I don't have. Oh, of a course lock you can. That, but Dude, we, we, I was just curious. We did this last year. We 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 bet on spring training games during this. Okay, that's um, the best. I mean, it's not It's far from a guarantee. I don't. I mean, it. yeah, because <laughs> you never know who's gonna freaking play. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, by the way, I'm looking at the Mets Astros. Um, I can't be right. The line is minus one forty five. No, that's not right. That's a money. That's the money line. I want the game line. <clears throat> um, over under eight and a half in a spring training game. That's not bad. But uh, yes, for those wondering, you can, in fact, get in on the action in preseason baseball. Um, I mean, baseball's starting up in a few weeks for real. Should be fun. Best season of the year. I can't wait. It's all about the Mets. It's all about the Mets, baby. Get Let's a go home Mets, run. baby. Get a home run. Love the Mets. Love the Mets. Uncle Stevie broke the bank. And by the way, did you see Uncle Stevie's new Jumbotron? Yeah. Uh, it is Uncle Stevie. You guys see Kodai Senga? That man's the truth. <laughs> that man is the truth. He 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 is listen, 
There, there's two things Kodai Sango's going to do, right? He's going to throw a ghost fork, and he's going to strike your bum out. And then the other thing he's going to do is he's going to bring Shohei to New York. He's going really? to bring in the Metropolitans. Locking that in. I'm locking it in. There's no odds for you. Bonus lock. Bonus lock right there. Bonus. Shohei Otani to New York next year, according to Coach Hahn. It better not be the Yankees. But I'm going to trade New York. Century. Yeah. Um, I mean, the look, I, I just – I don't know what to do with the Angels anymore. Like, the Angels, it's – the Angels team right now is Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, and a bunch of bums. They've had Mike Trout for like 10 years. They haven't done anything. They've had Ed Otani for what, three seasons now? Three, four seasons, something like that? About four. Yeah, like four. Right. Four or five. What have they done? Deadly squat. I mean, they're owned by Art Moreno. What do you expect? Like, <laughs> Art, listen, Art, Art Moreno, every Angels fan got their hopes up when they heard Art Moreno was thinking about selling the team just for him to quickly pull a curveball. You know, out of his repertoire and just be like, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna subject you guys to more years of tor- torture. I'm, I'm, you know, and 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 it's. I've always said, it's crazy, how, you have two generational talents and you can't build a team around that. You're one of the richest owners in baseball. You can't build a team around two generational superstars, one of which can pitch for you as well. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. that, that takes some real skill. That's some Woody Johnson level ownership right there. I mean, that, that is that is absurd. But I think honestly, the the greatest thing that the Angels did last year was something that you want to avoid ideally, which is back in I'm trying to find exactly when it happened. Back in June, late June. Grant, I think, knows where I'm going with this. He's nodding. Um, you, you're giving me a look. All right, great radio. We're great radio. We're producing. Back in June, they got into a fight with the Mariners, and ten people from the Angels or excuse me, twelve people from the Angels organization got suspended. But by far, the best part of all of this was that. A translator for the Angels staff got suspended two games for getting involved in a bench-clearing brawl. Like, that just doesn't happen. It is the greatest thing the Angels have done, did all of last season, and it was a translator getting suspended. He's for the boys, right? For the boys. For the boys, indeed. Grant, I have to ask. You were, you, you were saying, love the Mets, love the Mets. So clearly, you've seen the TikTok lore. Uh, I barely. I'm not on TikTok. That iceberg, but I'm not on TikTok. Have so, you seen the guy that only posts Vogue clips? <laughs> no. I can. I, 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 I cannot repeat anything he says because it will violate FCC guidelines. But yeah, let's. But, let's not. Um, but he, he he is a godsend. You know. You, you know. You gotta look him up. It's great. His name. I, I I don't remember his TikTok handle. I will find it. But. But you'll, the, you'll let me know on one of the breaks. Listen, M- M- Mets baseball is back. <laughs> it's an exciting time to be alive. All right, you know w- when the Wilpons own the team, it stunk. But now that we have Uncle Stevie here, it is it is an exciting time, to say the least. Baseball is back. It's the best spring sport besides lacrosse, in my opinion. Yeah. And and you know like, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, and you know it's just it's 
I don't know. I, 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 with all the new rules, too, you know, the bigger bags, the pitch clock, the, and how, how pitchers are trying to exploit the pitch clock rules already. The MLB already released a statement that quick pitches within a certain time frame are not allowed. I, I'm forgetting the exact time frame. At the moment, it, it, it'll come back to me. I think it's within like the first 10 to 12 seconds aren't allowed because Max Scherzer tried to exploit that rule in the spring training game already where this Oh, that was stuck. wild. Yeah, I mean, he, he, he pitched somebody out in like 22 seconds, right? Or was 22 seconds. That was, that was someone out. from the yeah. Yankees did the same. Yeah. Something like that. Um, That's not allowed anymore? Like going into the season or continuing? No, I, I mean, we forward. knew there were going to be some growing pains with the pitch clock. Right. We, we knew that was coming. Um, you, you mentioned Daniel Vogelback. I love that guy. He's just so much fun to watch. Um, and he lost, uh, he did lose a good chunk of weight over the offseason. You know, looks really good. I just love that he can still run at that size. But someone tell me that man isn't due for some homers because it looks like he gave up on the donuts. And as we know, he likes his dingers like he likes his donuts in bunches. Oh, that I, was that was what he I said. Like he told <laughs> that to a New York Post reporter last season after he got traded. He said he there were two great lines from that interview. One was he said, "I like my home runs like I like my donuts in bunches." Um, the other great line was uh, last season his official playing weight was I think two sixty five, but he didn't look like he was two sixty five. And the reporter asked him, "You know, is that the right weight?" He goes, "I don't really know. I don't really weigh myself that often." <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I mean, look, you know. Uh, Daniel Vogelback is a righty specialist. He's known for his he's known for his power hitting, but you know we'll we'll see if he's the long term answer at DH. I mean that's really the big thing. You know the Mets still still yeah. have, have a bit of a, a platoon going at that position. Platooning with Darren Ruff. So, no, no, no. Dar- <laughs> no. Darren Ruff should be gone. Uh, Darren Ruff's brutal, but I don't know. You know the, the 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 Mets have a bevy of players you know they can use the position the the young guys like Mark Vientos and Ronnie Mauricio have shown some pop in spring training um even Francisco yeah. Alvarez can hit yeah Francisco Alvarez he he, he struggles with high fastballs a little bit and he, I think he need I, you know po- contrary to popular belief I don't think he's pro ready I, I think they need to, to let him linger in AAA for a little bit keep in mind no. Francisco Alvarez is 21 years old he's got time to develop you know, Vientos is a little older. Brett Beatty's a little older, I think. Um, Brett Beatty, sorry, Francisco Alvarez is younger than I am. I was very surprised when I discovered that over the summer. Um, but he's still, and look, the Mets right now, they're in a position where, barring injury, they don't need Francisco Alvarez to be pro-ready right now. You signed Omar Narvaez, who's a solid catcher. You got rid of James McCann, who was struggling. And let's not forget, Tomas Nito played really well last year and showed that he can contribute to the offense. No, now, no, no, no. Degree. okay, I to see degree. that face you're giving me, but he's a catcher. Catchers don't, catchers are not known for their offense. Um, yeah, I guess, but I mean, you go, uh, I don't know. Tomas I mean, Nito is not, okay, he's very Tomas streaky. Nito is not bad. Okay, streaky. He's, he's, he's not bad. He, he's very good. He's very good at, command, like, you know. Commanding the game on the defensive side, he's not the best at throwing out guys stealing. Uh, you okay. know, he he, okay. he doesn't have the strongest of arms, but you know, hit, hitting wise, I don't know. He's easy. He, he's a decent hitter. He's very streaky. Now there were there were points of the season where the guy, the guy could hit everything and anything, but the prop the problem with Nito is, is you know 
Nito, Nito and Giorme, in my mind, are the same player in the sense that they don't have much pop, but they're gonna get they're gonna get they're gonna get on base. I mean, that is the Buck Showalter mantra, where you know just put the ball in play. And, and singles and doubles win games. Yeah, singles and doubles win games. Not a lot of pop. It's not flashy, really. It's just just hitting the ball in play. I mean, that's simplicity. Yep. But but Tomas Nito, I mean, don't get me wrong, Tomas Nito is a great option, but he's but he's by no means, no means a long term option. He it, it, it is perfect. Fine. It it is perfect right now to keep him on the bench with Navarre starting above him. But there has to be a point where you wonder, you know, throughout the season whether Alvarez is ready to take that next step. And then what's gonna and then what's gonna happen for Nito from there? He's gonna right. be the odd man out. Okay. Yeah. And maybe in, you know, two, three, four months. Alvarez will be ready after some more time in Triple I I don't know, um, and I want to go back to what you mentioned though about stolen bases, and that is obviously a risk. And now with the bases being bigger, part of the reason for that is MLB wants to encourage more stolen base attempts. So I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. You know, that's kind of something that didn't get much discussion because everyone was so, you know, all about that pitch clock, but. Um, I think it's interesting to see, you know, the bigger bases, how that makes an impact. I mean, that can make a difference. I mean, we've seen, I mean, we've all seen it where, some, you know, bang, bang, play at second, and, you know, the diff- it's a difference of, you know, a couple inches whether the runner got in there or not. So I think the bigger or bases, you know, I think they added, you know, three square three square inches, something like that. You know, that inch and a half, you know, yeah, okay, so he's got to run three fewer inches from first to second, but in a game of, in a game where that can make a difference, it makes a difference. Very articulate, I know. Yeah, I mean it makes a difference. Um, you know, you know, you know, the bigger bases are designed to prevent injury. You know, between between incidental contact with a runner, with a runner and the first baseman, or whatever. Honestly, whatever baseman for that matter. But most of the time, when you're going to get Ruben Tejada comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Ruben Tejada. Oh my God. You know, and, and, and you know what? I don't know because. I have mixed feelings about Ruben Tejada. I, 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 I mean, I mean, look. <laughs> don't his, we all? Look, look. His his injury resonated with me. I mean, he he, okay. he was a fan favorite. Okay, but like he I, was a fan, sometimes favorite. Personally, I I was I was lukewarm on the guy. My father hated Ruben Tejada. Yeah, and then, yeah, I was I wasn't far from not liking him either. And then you kind of we he kind of had to rally around him in the uh, in the NLDS in 2015. Um. Of course, for those who don't remember, that is when Chase Utley snapped Ruben Tata's leg in half on a dirt with a dirty slide. Um, yeah, I just want to point out as well that ouch. you know this one, this one might be a little bit of a hot take. Grant, I hope you're good over there. Um, you know, this one might be a little bit of a hot take, but Mets fans love Lucas Duda. I don't get it. <laughs> Please tell me why you like, I love you like Lucas a guy. Duda. Who, please tell me like why you like a guy who single like almost single handedly lost you the World Series in 2015. Please, yeah, L- L- Lucas Duda is you know he's got a great name Zippity Duda Duda. You know what I'm saying? But that's all he's got. I don't um, know. I just like I don't know. I don't know. He was a crowd favorite for some reason. It's like Mets fans liking Curtis Granderson. What did he do as a man? <laughs> he did nothing. 
He hit 220 and struck out a lot. Yeah. Oh, it's Curtis Granderson. Like, bro, come on. No. I remember the first season that the Mets signed Curtis Granderson, I think that deal was like $20 million a year. And my dad and I went to a game, my family, whole family actually, sometime in April. And I just looked at, and Granderson was like, I think he started that year like 0 for 18 or something. And I looked at my dad and said, how much money did we waste on this guy? And he just looked at me and went, a lot. Listen, man, any any hitter will look great in Yankee Stadium because that because that right field wall, like you can you can walk from where right I'm currently wall. sitting to the WRSU 88.7 FM Rutgers radio thing on the wall, which is not far at all. And, and you have it's yourself maybe a home 15 run. feet. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say 10, 12. At 10. Honestly. Yeah, I'm, I'm bad at judging I, that, but that's that's 10 feet. I, I mean, obviously, it's a big exaggeration, but but the point being is that you know, in hitter friendly ballparks, you know, it, 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 if you don't ball out. You're basically a scrub. Let's just say <laughs> in, that, <laughs> in that that's an area where Henry Rowe and Gartner would have no trouble reaching home plate from the stands, if you know what I'm saying. And I do not. But neither I, of you do. Okay, I want to say uh, go home, go on Disney Plus and watch Rookie of the Year. Okay, I it's will. A, it, it's a it, it's a ridiculous movie. Um, the short version is a 12 year old becomes the star pitcher for the Chicago Cubs. Oh, so it's <laughs> it's like a bunch of the early two thousands, like nineties. Or okay, it's a it was 90s like the game. same. It was like okay. the same era as the as the original Sandlot. Gotcha. By the way, I will say, I have watched the original, the first Sandlot movie, probably twelve to fifteen times. I refuse, outright refuse, to watch any of the other three Sandlot movies. Can you say the original one word for word? Um, or do certain, you have to be like looking at certain it? Certain scenes I could quote along. Got you. Okay, I did. I, I also bring haven't up... watched it in a long, in years. I, I watched it once in the last couple of years, but I I watched it all the time. I had it on DVD, so I watched it like in every on every car ride. Okay. Oh, I love. Before I want to bring up that thing, I do love a good uh, DVD monitor behind the the headrest. So the we car didn't ride. have that, but we had portal like. Oh, those are classic the laptop too. ones. Or like the drop downs. Oh. No, the one that sat in your lap. No, I know. The, oh, the drop down. Oh, that you that the, was all that, of the you above. were so jealous of. The, yeah, you you I sometimes when I'm on the highway nowadays you see the Cadillacs and they have like four screens on the back of the headrest. And oh, you're, you're literally just watching their kids watch. It. Well, not I won't the kids, lie to you, the like, um, <laughs> but I I want to say before we go any further, the last year's on average 2022 stolen bases per game were point well not on average the highest was point seven nine. That's attempts, I'm assuming. That's what. Attempts, attempts or successes? Uh, it doesn't say. On I was honestly having a struggling time trying to find statistics based on that. That that's fine. It says team so rankings. Point, I don't, seven, point seven nine. Yeah. Right okay. now, in seven games played, and this is highest to highest. So I'll try and find average to average. I'm struggling right now. There's five for Justin Dean in seven games played. So already higher numbers. <laughs> Justin Dean, however, I don't know who that is. And he <laughs> I doesn't know. I have a picture on uh, the information I'm getting it from the international CBS man of <laughs> Yeah, he's got a solid name. Justin Dean is actually in witness protection. Ah, oh, damn. But they're gonna stick him in single A, and no one will ever find him again. Nope. So, so you're telling me Jimmy Dean's brother plays baseball? <laughs> yeah, he's not a breakfast guy. He's a late night hot dog guy. I, I mean, that's I, why the sausage connection comes uh, through. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I got a picture. I mean, here. honestly, I think that's I ten times better. So, like, like the, I, I would rather have a late night meal, than wake up in the early, in the morning and eat breakfast. Th- th- that's also how my body works. Like, I, 
I've tried eating breakfast for years, and I only, all I only I've done coffee, is just yeah. feel sick after. Yeah, I only have black yeah. coffee. Um, Unless I'm eating fruit. I did find, by the way, um, Justin Emmanuel Dean. Um, he is 26 years old. He's a minor league player for Atlanta. Uh, he's a non-roster invitee for spring training this year. Damn, you're roasting my man at the crisps. Come on, man. He's got 12. Hold on. No, no, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. He's getting there. 12 at-bats, 6 hits. So he's hitting 500. That's pretty good. Okay. He's got yeah. 4 runs scored, 2 RBI, and as Gren mentioned, the 5 stolen bases. He's got a 571 on base percentage and a OPS over 1. That, that's right, pretty that's good. good. That's good. I mean, small sample size in spring training, yada, yada, yada. But, you know, not bad for Mr. Justin Dean who wears number 74. <laughs> He is a center fielder for Atlanta. Gotta love the high numbers. Oh, yeah. I'm Gotta always, love the high numbers. I'm I want to go back to Grant's point. I want to go back to Grant's point about the stolen bases because that, that that is one of the things that the MLB, you know, over recent seasons, there haven't been a lot of attempts. You know, granted, the, the MLB game is a far cry from when Ricky Henderson was swiping 100 a year, which to me, which still is a mind-boggling number to think about to this day. But you're never going to get but, back to that. Uh, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not. You're not. That, and that's not what I'm saying. But... But at the same time, you know, the the bigger bags, too, another effect of it is you could see more attempts per game. Now, I'm sure that .79, you know, per game average is successes. I, I If there were an, an amount of stolen base attempts per game, I'm sure it's no higher than two, if that. Like, like it, 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 it's a facet of the game that just really doesn't, you know, that really isn't prevalent anymore, you know, for, for – both for durability concerns and the fact that like teams aren't teams don't have like their speed they're like top speed threats like going for overly aggressive it's not even one from last year it's 40 percent increase this year in uh spring season to 1.08 that that's for absurd. attempts I, I i i'm not surprised at all i, I mean the, the mlb game's been steering away from it for so long and now to the point where it's really like almost dead i i i, yes. I, I mean look the the last guy you heard about with over like sixty stolen bases was D Gordon, who, when he played for the Marlins back in twenty, I think it was twenty nineteen, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen, right? And you know you 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 just don't see a lot of guys going for for you don't see the guys going for bags anymore. And honestly, I mean they're going for money bags, but they're, but they're not going for the base bags. You know? Yeah. So. It'll be uh, curious to see how that works out. Yeah, that'll be very interesting. Um, and Grant just showed me a great graphic of how game times in spring training have plummeted with the pitch clock. So we talked about that last week. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I think with that, we're going to take a little break here and come back with some can we just talk action on the other side of this. You're listening to the Tuesday Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Can we just talk? Can we just talk? Talk about Back here on the Tuesday Crew, it's Can We Just Talk? segment where we just take a little break from the world of sports for a minute and just kind of chat about things. Moshe Globchik with you, Brett Hahn, Grant Langlois with me in the room. Shout out to our boy John Hartnett, stuck doing homework tonight. 
Um, so, fellas, I want to tell you a little story that happened to me today. And uh, I've got a question to follow it up. So, this morning I woke up. And I'm going about my day getting dressed. And before I leave my house, I always go to grab my phone, my keys, my earbuds, and my wallet. And today today was a Jewish holiday, so I had places I needed to be. So I get up, I grab Happy my phone. Happy holidays. Thank you. Happy Purim to anyone out there listening. Um, so I grab my phone, put it where it goes. I grab my keys. I grab my earbuds. Go to grab my wallet. It's not on my night table. I always put it on my night tables. Where is it? And I'm looking for it, and I, ha- I have to leave the house. So I'm like, you know what? It's probably here. I'll find it later. So I actually, I just, I froze my credit card on on my phone, and I was like, I'll deal with it later. Which reminds me, I actually have to deal with something afterwards. Um, I don't want to spoil the story. Um, so anyway, I go to where I need to go, and I'm like, all right, I know I had it here last night at this place that actually is where I spend most of my day. I looked there. I looked. I talked to the security guard. Couldn't find it. Um, eventually, I got around to being able to go back to my house, and I'm like, okay, it must be in my room. So I'm looking through my room, can't find it anywhere. I sit down on my bed, just, you know, kind of collect my thoughts, think, where else can I look? And all of a sudden, out of my eye, I see something sitting on my night table, just kind of sitting there, and it's this, my wallet. It was underneath a single empty Ziploc bag that I had left on my night table last night. Clear Ziploc bag? <laughs> a transparent Ziploc bag. It was folded over itself, so it wasn't totally translucent. Um, but wow. yeah, it was underneath a single Ziploc bag, and just, I guess, the I was kind of standing next to my night table, so the angle I was at, I just didn't see it. And somehow, I didn't think to lift up the Ziploc bag. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. You know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, But my question is, you know, what's your worst, I really should have found that story? Because I actually do have a worse one that I'll I'll tell you, but I want to hear if you guys have any any good uh, or not so good moments in that. You ever lost your phone while talking to somebody on it? (laughs) I have. I'll, I'll get, that. That's my story. I'll get there. Oh, that's my worst by far. I mean, I mean, like, how much more of a stooge can you be? Like, you're literally like, "Where's your phone?" And the other, the other guy on the phone thinks you're joking with him. Like, "Oh, I don't know where your phone is." Oh, uh, you know, right? You know, okay, did you did you leave it by the kitchen? Did you leave it in the did you leave it in your in your bedroom? Oh yeah, it's a good idea. Let me go check. <laughs> and you know, you go, you walk in there, you know, and you're you're, you're sitting down, and you're just like, and you're just like. Hmm, you know what? Maybe I left it in my car. And you go outside and you check in your car, and then it's like, yeah, you know, it could be in your car. And then you, uh, you're like, what's that feeling? But what's that feeling by my ear? Oh, it's my cellular device. And you're just, and you're just like, how could I be so dumb? Um, that's yeah. my story. Or like you're Ow. using, or you, <laughs> what did you just do? Right, you good? You pinch yourself or something? Yeah. I'm, what I'm, just I'm, happened? I'm just being a stooge. I just oh, saw okay. Brett go to turn off his mic, and then somehow. Did you just hit the thing too hard and hurt your finger? Probably. No. <laughs> no? Oh, okay. All right. We'll get back to that. Um, but, yeah, so similar. And, you know, we've all seen the using your phone flashlight to look for your phone. Um, but what oh, I did, I think, fair. may have been worse. Um, I was sitting on the couch one time. I was watching a YouTube video. I'm like, huh, where's my phone? 
and I look under the pillow and whatever I'm looking for. And I'm like, oh, I know. I'll call it. And so sometimes, like, this is back in the day when we had a, a house phone. So, like, I have done that before where, like, it's just somewhere in my room I know and I just, you know, go to the house phone and call my phone. I did not do that. I was on my phone. I closed the YouTube app. I opened the phone app. I clicked on the button to open the dial pad. And at that moment, I'm pretty sure I said something that I cannot repeat on the radio as I realized what, that I was trying to locate my phone by calling my phone from my phone. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't think I've ever had something that bad. I, I've been, Come on. I've been you've gotta have, you have to have done something. <sighs> I've I've been pretty close. I've had the I've had the like watching a show and being like, hmm, I really need my phone for something. <laughs> okay, uh, we've and, all done and, that. And it's like YouTube or what you mentioned, but I don't know. Um, I'd probably have to say like back when I was like thirteen or something when I used to throw controllers. Uh, oh, dude, dude, hold on. I remember those days? You ever play? You, did you either of you guys have a Wii? Oh, oh yeah, I did. Hold Pretty on, more. hold when on. I was growing up. I'm going to share an experience that I think every single person who has ever played Wii Sports Did will relate to. Did you use the strap? That's all I want to preface it with. <laughs> Hell no. Nah, dang. Nah, don't. Yeah, no, don't. I, I, no. I mean, you probably should, so but you definitely should. Everyone, especially if you played without the strap, can relate to the experience of playing Wii Sports bowling. <laughs> Grant knows what I'm talking about. You I've wind seen up. I've seen you my wind up do it a lot. And the controller goes, Wii. And usually it just falls out of your hand or it flies like a foot, whatever. I was once bowling with my neighbor. We bowling in the basement. And he just wound up just so hard. And we were like 10. Just swung and flung it three feet back into the wall. Actually, more than three feet. It was probably like six, seven, eight feet maybe. Whatever it was. Just threw it really hard against the wall. Like so hard he knocked the batteries out. Dang. Um... But uh, before we we take another break to wrap up this segment, Brett, I got to know. What happened that caused you to say, ow? (laughs) I got to know. The people want to know, Brett. I mean, I was in pain. Like, when you're you're in pain, you say, ow. And what caused this pain to tell? A disturbance to my body. I don't know. A disturbance in the force. (laughs) I've encountered a virgins in the force. (laughs) Yeah, the presidential AI TikToks. Uh, that, That one's fantastic. But they're getting better every day. Then pain, I said, ow. That's what it comes down to. I mean, people who are in pain either say ow, they say nothing, or they shout profanities. (laughs) I do all three. We appreciate you not doing the latter while on the air. Um, Actually, I was talking to someone last night who said that when he worked in a day camp, he taught the kids, it's okay to swear when you're in pain, but not at other people. Um, And on that nugget, from my dear friend Jeremy Davis. We're going to take a break. Hour two coming up right here on WRSU-FM New Brunswick and online at WRSU.org. Tune in to Glorna Heron, the Voice of Ireland program.